You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Kootenai Community Church, uh, the Sunday School, Adult Sunday School portion. And uh, I'd like to thank you for being here. I know it's an effort to get here this early, and I appreciate your participation. I want to look once again at the book of Philippians. So before we begin, I'd like to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege of looking into your word. We thank you that you provide us, Father, with the Holy Spirit and the revelation of your Son, Jesus Christ, through your word. We ask that you guide us this morning, both in the teaching of your word and the preaching of your word, that your Holy Spirit would empower and illuminate and guide us as we study your word and teach your word. I give you thanks for the privilege and pray that you guide us now. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we looked last time. I'm uh, exchanging uh, at different periods with Cornell, who's going through Corinthians. So we're alternating. And uh, last time that I taught in Philippians, we looked at the first five verses, and I'll just recap that and begin on verse six. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun, has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Well, this is uh, where we're going to begin today in verse six. Now, Paul was expressing his joy over the Philippians in this epistle, and it's unique in his uh, great love, though he loved all believers. He had a special love for those in Philippi. There was the great work of God's spirit directing him there. And, of course, the first convert, Lydia, the seller of purple linens. And from there, uh, we had the slave girl who was uh, delivered from the demonic control. And also, Paul, because of that, was imprisoned. And then, of course, we know the Philippian jailer was converted. And from there, the church of Philippi unfolded. 
Paul rejoiced in this. He had a great love for these saints and he proclaimed so throughout this epistle. But in verse 6, it's a very unique teaching. I would say one of the most encouraging of the verses in all of Philippians. Though uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones comments on that, he says he would say that, but with caution, because he doesn't want to diminish any other of God's word. And I agree totally. But this is an extremely encouraging text. And as we look at it and examine it, we'll see how much theology and doctrine that the Apostle Paul puts in this concise manner. He could do in an economy of words what many would spend books to exhaust. So we begin with this. Confident. Being confident. The word confident here translates the word in the original, peito, which means to be persuaded or to have confidence in. In Paul's confidence was not so much in the human hope of the believers, his confidence in what God had begun and what he was going to continue to do in the saints at Philippi. That who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this text, we will try to go through this whole verse in its entirety, but salvation is wholly the work of God from beginning to end. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul's confidence is not so much of what they were going to do or how they were serving God, but in God working in and through the saints. We should all have that confidence. We should all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior understand that He is the one that has begun that work in us. What is that work? The work of salvation. When did our salvation start? I'll ask that question. Anybody? Before the foundations of the world. Thank you. And that's when we're brought to God's divine heart and the unfolding of the plan of salvation began. Eternity passed. As we look at Paul's confidence, he expresses it in many ways. I'm going to give you a quote from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. We must admit that our failure to understand and to grasp this truth accounts for so much of our worrying and our unhappiness and our concern. It is only the person who grasps the plan of salvation, its meaning, its character, and its power, who can ever feel as the Apostle Paul felt. When we look at ourselves and take our own spiritual pulse, we are aware that we are lacking, and that makes us worry and sometimes introspective and perhaps unhappy. And we think this Christian life is difficult. This is due 
to our failure to understand what Paul is saying here, end quote. As we look at the word competent, Paul uses a word uh, that, again, was translated to have great confidence in. The word uh, began is a compound verb. Uh, that means to begin in. It is used only twice in the New Testament. The other place that it was used was in Galatians 3, 3, in which the Apostle Paul said, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? He was rebuking them. But it's the same word, began, in the original. Here, in Philippians, he's responding to a similar question. They wanted to have the assurance and the understanding of the eternality of their faith. God requires faith for our salvation. And yet, that's solely a work of God's grace, as we see in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. We give God all the glory for salvation. He is the beginner and the finisher of our faith. <clears throat> I want to look, uh, as we do today, at some of the things that we consider as Paul was inspired in this letter to reveal to us. In this one verse, he gives us a great deal. As I mentioned earlier, for those who um, understand this verse, it should give us joy and confidence no matter where we're at in life. We shouldn't allow the circumstances of our life to control how we live in this life. The Lord told us that we will experience tribulation, but he told us to be a good cheer. He has overcome the world. In Christ, we can do all things. Now, that, that taken out of context will seem trivial. But in context, as we examine this book, we'll examine what that really, truly means. And how we can take comfort in the words of Paul's confidence in all circumstances. The question is, after regeneration, can a believer fall away? And that is permanently be uh, and somehow lose his salvation. The answer is that obviously in this verse that can never happen to a true believer. The uh, por uh, portion of. Believers at some period of time drifted into a heretical following, which uh, the church fathers denounced. And it began with a man by, by the name of Pelagius. And he had a heretical view of how one was to attain salvation and obtain grace. We have to understand that most assuredly, we have salvation if we truly have partaken of saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jim just finished the exposition of John. Throughout that gospel letter, that book, there was assurance from the Lord himself of our eternality and the perseverance of the saints. I'll quote a few of them here this morning. John 5.24 Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. This was something that I could hold on to as I thought about our security in Christ. Jesus never taught that you would receive eternal life and somehow you would lose eternal life. If you lose eternal life, then by definition, it isn't eternal life. There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. And of course, the great words in Jude, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And then Romans 8.1, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Scriptures are replete of giving us assurance of the perseverance and the eternality of our salvation. Another quote in the book of John, John 10.27, of course, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. This is a clear and definitive that if you are united in Christ, you're secure, and nothing can break that union. Think about this. One of the arguments of the Arminians is, If you think that your salvation is secure, then you could give license to all forms of sin. And that was one of the proponents that Jacobus Arminius hung on to. But it should be just the opposite that is understood. One that lives in perpetual sin is not a true believer. That is not to say that the believer has somehow attained perfection. That's not so. We don't do so until we are with the Lord and we're glorified. We still live in a fleshly body. We're still capable of sin. But a believer will not be in ongoing sin without conviction from the Holy Spirit and at some point repentance. That's the evidence of our salvation. John 6.44, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up the last day. Then Paul's epistle, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God. As we look at this, we have to understand that as God brings us to a place of salvation, we have a purpose in this, and that is why... As we look at this one text, we have to understand that God is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
we're not just here to stay here for a while and enjoy our Christian experience. We're here to honor and glorify God. We're here to proclaim His Word. We're here to proclaim the Gospel. We are here to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is God's work in us. He begins that work at the period of justification. And ultimately, we will have glorification. When uh, we think of the Scriptures being replete with God's promises for the security of our salvation, we can also recognize that Scripture teaches that there's, apart from God, that no man seeks God. Romans 3.11. Romans 8.7 says, The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. There is nothing that you would be drawn to God by apart from God's regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. As unbelievers, we are at enmity with God. It is only when God began that work in us to draw Him to Himself. And as the Lord said in the Gospel of John, no man comes to the Father except the Father draw him. No man comes to me except the Father draw him. So we we understand that. And yet it's replete throughout the New Testament. Some can doubt their salvation because of a sin they might have committed. But if they're repentant and come to God in repentance, He will grant you that. 1 John 1 9. Jesus told the disciples in 15, 16 of John, You did not choose me, but I chose you. So, Paul asks this in Ephesians, or states this in Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which made us accepted in the beloved. He began that work in you, and he will continue it. What's that mean to each of us? If we know that God began a good work in us, what is that good work? What is the transforming work of God to do in His children? He is conforming us daily. Paul says, my outward man is dying, but my inward is growing day by day. Each day we should be growing in Christ. It is not our work. If it was up to us, there would be no growth. No human attempt can do anything to grow in Christ. It is a divine work of God's Spirit, and we 
comply with his word and his working in and through us. And we'll see that later in Philippians as well. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But that work is done by God's spirit. This text also gives us assurance that not only did God initiate our salvation, but he'll complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Now, that uh, term uh, that Paul uses is an eschatological term. And when we look at that, it's not talking about the day of the Lord. The day of Christ Jesus doesn't refer to the Old Testament prophecy as the final day of the Lord, as in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this, For you yourselves know full well that on the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they're saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them. Then suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you like a thief. So this isn't talking about the day of the Lord. Paul is talking about the day of Christ. And as we look at that, it's talking about the glorification of the believer. Though Paul was the human instrument to uh, reach the Philippians with the gospel and planted this church, he never took credit for anything that was done there. He always gave praise and glory to God. And the original uh, work that went on in Paul, when the Holy Spirit revealed to him a vision and he was headed one direction and God completely changed that And he had a dream with a man calling him to Macedonia. And he redirected Paul because he had already prepared. The Father was already drawing those who would be saved. Paul was going there to bring the gospel, which would transform that community. Remember, Philippi was a little Rome. It was following Roman law. They spoke many, most of them, many of them in Latin, some in Greek. Some small percentage were uh, Jewish settlers there, but for the most part, they were primary, primarily all Roman citizens that had settled there. Then they embraced the Roman life. As Paul went there, God orchestrated every event that took place. I'm sure Paul wasn't aware of every detail of what was going to happen, but he knew. He knew he was going to suffer, but he knew he was going to be in God's will. God was directing his way. As we look at God's word and understand that he began a good work in us, what does that mean to each of us? How does that impact us in the daily life that we live? Are we recognizing that we are God's transformed children, one who is going to be transformed into the image of his son? Are we living our lives in such a way that it is bringing glory to God? Is our speech wholesome? 
Do we have a love for the lost? Do we put the daily concerns of the political things in our lives that would obliterate our love for the lost? Are we in prayer for those in leadership? Are we considering the glory of God as we go about our daily lives? This is the life of a Christian. Paul wasn't concerned about what the state of these Philippians were in. He knew that he was going to a place where there are unregenerate people. People hostile to God. They had idols. They worshipped idols. There was idols throughout that entire area of Philippi. Just like in Rome. Everywhere. And yet Paul had no fear of that. He boldly went there because he knew that God was going before him. God was in him. And God would accomplish what he wanted to do. He never, ever took credit for any of the converts or any of the work that God had done, but only lifted up Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of their faith. These events, all of them, were orchestrated, orchestrated excuse me, <clears throat> by God. God is always the initiator of our faith. Again, in the book of John, in, in verse uh, <clears throat> 6.65, no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. The almost identical parallel text as John 6.44, which I just read. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. Think of that. If God predestined, for us to become his children. And God foreordains that work. Think of the love that he's bestowed upon each of us here. Our circumstances can vary. We can be affected by physical things, financial things. There's all kinds of elements that we go through as believers. We're no different in that way than the world is. We experience the same pain, same sorrow. There's losses, there's death, there's sorrow. And yet, we can live above our circumstances. It doesn't mean that we don't feel sorrow and pain. We do so. But we understand that God's work in us, that He's begun, He is going to complete. That work of justification then moves into sanctification. That is God setting us apart. Remember, we talked about the word saint when Paul addressed the saints, the word hagias being set apart for. We're set apart from God to God. We were unregenerate. We were God haters. And God sets us apart to himself. So as Paul gives this address to the Philippians, we know that he wants them to embrace that with encouragement. We need to understand what they were seeing in this one verse, that of God setting them apart, of that of God choosing them, that of God bringing them to himself and bringing them the gospel that was to bring them to 
regeneration and make them children of God. As we look at this also, the doctrine of eternal security should be imminent in our understanding. Because God began the work in us, he will also take it to fruition. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean to us? We understand we can do an exegesis of this text and expound it. But what does it mean to us personally? How does that impact us when something transpires that is offensive to us or makes us angry or something happens to us that debilitates us or something happens to us that causes us sorrow and pain? All these elements of life happen to everybody. And yet we, as God's children, know that God is sovereign over all events of all mankind. When you understand that in God's salvation and in our lives, it should transform our thinking. We can be encouraged no matter what circumstances we're in. This letter to the Philippians raised them above their circumstances. He knew what their circumstances were. The world was, it was a pit of depravity in Philippi, much like the world today. No different. Man's depravity was manifesting in ways that were despicable. And yet, Paul lifted these saints with these words of encouragement in this one verse, which was packed with theology. The understanding of the eternality of their faith and that God began that work in them and was going to carry it right to glorification gave them great encouragement. They knew they couldn't change circumstances around them and Paul didn't want them to. He wanted them to live for Christ and bring glory to God in that state, in that place of Philippi where it was rampant with immorality. These saints were set apart for God for that purpose. Paul says this in Romans 12:3, For I say through the grace given me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, the context of that, of course, Paul is going to go through the spiritual gift given to the church. Nevertheless, the text transcends that alone. We should recognize humbly how great a gift our salvation is and how great a gift uh, eternal life is. We can look at this, this text, And that should totally transform our thinking. And especially today, when we live in such a chaotic world. Was it any different back then? Well, we're going to see a lot of that when uh, Jim, uh, as he begins his study of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to understand the world has never been different. 
it's always been riddled by depravity. Sin-riddled world. And yet God came in this world to bring His Son to live a perfect life, to suffer a humiliating death, and to raise from the cross and be resurrected unto eternal life at the right hand of the Father. God in the flesh. God incarnate. He changed and transformed all of history when he came into this world. Paul addresses these believers and he doesn't uh, want them to get discouraged in what they're going through. This was a poor community of saints. And yet they were the few who were supporting Paul. And he encouraged them in that as he penned his epistles. These saints were selfless. They were helping one another. And they were supporting the Apostle Paul in his ministry. True believers do not fall away from the faith. We stumble, we sin, we confess, we repent, and we continue. Only those who are false professors will remain in sin, unrepentant. There are many accounts in Scripture that reveal that. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed adultery, and he committed murder. And yet, God says he was a man after my heart. Peter, in Second Peter 2, 7 and 8, tells us that Lot's righteous soul, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then David, in his worst rebellion, never lost his faith. Even the Apostle Peter, when he was about to be sifted by Satan, Jesus told him in prayer, For thee that day thy faith will not fail. His courage faltered, but his boldness failed. His willpower lost its force, and he sinned in grievous way. But he never fell away from his love of Jesus Christ. His faith didn't fail. Hebrews 7.25, the author says this, Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is the reason that our salvation is secure. He is the one who began it, and he will complete it. What is the good work that Paul is referring to in us? Romans 8.29 says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son. This word uh, predestined, by the way, I cleared that up before, but I'll do it again. It's not God's omniscience, not just him foreseeing the saints. He set his love upon us in eternity past. True believers also persevere, always. That is why this doctrine of perseverance is so important to us. We have to understand that it is God working in us and through us throughout our lives. That's how we persevere. It isn't our self-will, our determination. It is only God working in us. 
to accomplish our perseverance to the end. We give him all the glory for all he does. To those who are called and sanctified by God and persevere in Jesus Christ, it is God alone who can keep us. And Paul understood that. That's why he began with that, expressing his confidence in us, in the confidence in the Philippian saints, because he knew there was God working in them, not their own self-will to persevere. God will complete the work that he began, and this is the main point of the text. The NASB says, he who begun a good, begun, began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The New King James says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Each version brings out the different understanding of the verb in that phrase. The Greek word, again, is epipeleo. It speaks of finishing something to bring it to perfection. The work of God is completed by him and is perfected by him. So what is this work in us? Moreover, that we are predestined to be his call, to be justified and ultimately to be glorified. As we think of Paul in uh, giving this essence of the day of Christ, it is talking about the day of our glorification. It's not speaking of the day of judgment. It's talking about the glorification of the saints. We're going to uh, finish with this. Consider the circumstances of Paul when he wrote this epistle. He had nothing to rejoice over physically. He was in prison. He was sick. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was persecuted. He suffered physically greatly. But spiritually, he could rejoice over the Christians in Philippi. Paul founded many churches, and yet he was unable to visit them Philippi in person when he was in prison and he was writing them to have this letter taken to them to bring them encouragement. What do we get from this text? This is a text that not only should encourage us, but it should give us an understanding of how we should live. We should reflect this work that God had begun in us. We should reflect the fact that his love has been shed upon us to bring glory to Jesus Christ. It should impact every aspect of our lives. And he wanted the Philippian saints to understand that, and especially in their circumstances where they live. We could draw a great parallel to Philippi, Rome, and to the United States. We live in a society similar to Rome. And there's a great deal of parallels that many theologians have brought forth. So we should understand that as Christians, we are to be set apart, be in the world, but not of it. To love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and strength. That should be the goal of every Christian. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the encouraging words that your servant Paul penned under your inspiration. We thank you, Father, for the fact that you have begun this good work in us and also that you will complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. We give you all praise and all glory for the work you began and the works which you bring to glory. I thank you, Father, for each one here. I thank you for your word. And I pray now for Jim as he brings forth the teaching of Ecclesiastes and introduction to that book. And we just give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.